one who gives money to a third party for the sake of his daughter. And he tells this person that when my, when my daughter gets married, I want you to sort out the Nadunya, buy some property and give it to my daughter to bring into the marriage for her husband as the Nadunya, the dowry. And then, meanwhile, before this woman gets married, her father dies, and she receives Kiddushin from somebody. And during her Eirusin period, so between the Kiddushin and the Nisuin, the completion of a marriage, Vihio Maris, she tells the third party, the one who her father appointed to buy a field and give it to her at her marriage, she tells him, Nemon Bali Olai. I trust my husband, and we're going to understand this to mean that I trust that he'll do with the money what I want. The moment I say that I want him to buy a field with that money, he'll do so, but for now just give him the money which my father gave you in order to buy a field. Give my husband that money now already, because I myself don't mind if you don't buy a field, so there's no reason to buy a field. Just give my husband the money. Says the Mishnah, The third party must do what he was appointed to do. And he cannot give her the money, he needs to buy a field and then give her the field for her husband for the sake of the Nadunya. Div Rabbi Meir, that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir holds that mitzvah l'kaim divrei hames. It is a mitzvah to fulfill the words of a man who had died. So although over here there might not be such a purpose in doing so, at the end of the day that's what he was appointed to do, and it's considered to be dishonorable to go against that which a man who has died commanded him to do. However, Rabbi Yaisi says it might be true that mitzvah can divriyameis, but in this case there's no point. Even if it was already a field, let's say he had bought the field now, and she wanted to sell it, it would be sold already from now. She has the right to sell the field as soon as that man would have bought the field for the sake of her Nadunya. We're talking about where she is still in her Eresin period. So the Nadunya would still be hers, and she would be able to sell it. So since she would have the right, had he already bought the field, to sell the field and get, then get the money for that, and then she could just give her husband the money for the sake of the Nadunya. So there's no point in him going to buy a field in order to give her the field. She could just sell it and then give her husband the money. So it might be true that in general, one needs to honor the words of a dead man, but in this case, there's no point. However, Mayor still holds that for the sake of the honor of the dead man, one is still obligated to go according to his command. Now, Baman Voramurian, when all of these words said that according to Yossi, he should just give the money straight to her and her husband, Bigdaila. That's for the woman who is already bas mitzvah, so things which she does have significance halachically. So she has the right to say, you know what, I don't want you to buy a field, and you can just give the money straight to my husband. I will be katana, but with a woman who is under the age of bas mitzvah, imais katana klum, her acts have no significance, and therefore at the moment we only have the command of the father, that which she says is irrelevant. So in that case, even Rabbi Yossi would agree that we certainly do go according to the command of the father who died, and he should buy a field and give her the field for the sake of Hannah Dunya. For example, in the fifth parak, we saw a case where somebody made a vow against having relations with his wife. The way that a neder, a vow, works is that one prohibits himself from benefiting from a particular thing. Now, because it's an obligation to have relations with one's wife, one has not got the power to make a neder which directly states that he won't have relations with his wife. So the only way that that neder would work is if he says that the pleasure which I get from having relations, I'm prohibiting that pleasure upon myself. 
So since he's not talking directly about the relations itself, the neder would be valid, and now he'll be prohibited to have relations with her, because every time he has relations with her, he'll also have pleasure from that relations. And that would be against his neder. Now just like one can make a neder that I will not benefit from a particular item, I can also make a neder that somebody else cannot benefit from my property. Now, because one is obligated to support his wife, he has not got the power to make a neder that his wife cannot benefit from his property. The neder won't be valid at all, because he has not got the power or the authority to make such a neder since he is obligated to allow her to benefit from his property. However, as we've seen several times, the obligation for a husband to support his wife, in return for that, the husband receives her maiseodayim, that which she makes and earns. And because of that, we learnt earlier on in the Masechta that a woman is able to say to her husband, don't support me, and I'll keep my maiseodayim for myself. The husband is not able to say that, I won't support you and you can keep your maiseodayim, because it all starts from his obligation to support her. He has that obligation. The Chachom said that because he has that obligation, you're also going to give him the right to Maiseodayim. But he can't say, I'm not going to fulfill my, my obligation, and I won't take that right which the Chachom gave me. However, if she agrees to this, then he would be able to say such a thing. So the Mishnah says, One who makes a neder against his wife benefiting from his property, and she agrees to this deal that she doesn't need to support her and she'll support herself from her own maiseodayim and everything that she earns. So in that case, the neder does, is valid. It does work. However, her maiseodayim are only enough to support herself with the minimum amount which her husband needs to give his wife for her support. However, before he made the neder, she would benefit from a lot more. Perhaps the husband was not obligated to support her on that level, but fact is, she did benefit from a lot of his property above his obligation. So he would still be obligated to provide her with that. That is the standard which she is used to. And so her husband is obligated to support her on that level. The problem is, she can't benefit from his property. So the Mishnah says there's a solution. For up to 30 days, Yamid Parnas, he can set up somebody else to support her. He can't appoint him to be his messenger, because then it's as if he himself is supporting her. But if he declares that anybody who wants to support my wife, he won't lose out by doing so, and then that person will understand that if he supports his wife, so he'll be compensated by her husband. So in that case, she would support herself for the main things which she needs from a Maiseodayim, and for all the other needs which she would benefit from, and which she would have fulfilled before the, ne- before the vow was made. So she receives money from this other man for those necessities. However, Yosem McCain, if it was more than that, meaning if the husband had made a vow for longer than 30 days and he hadn't annulled it, so the vow is still in place after 30 days, the fact that this woman is prohibited to benefit from her husband and she needs to receive her support, half of it at least, from somebody else, that is considered to be an embarrassment for her. And so she has the right to force a divorce. If she so wishes, then he would need to divorce her and give her her kasuba money because she is causing her shame. Now, Yehuda has one concern, and that is that it's all very nice for the regular Jew. He can divorce her, and then he'll see that he really wants to remarry her. So he'll get his vow annulled. He can go to a Talmud Chacham, who can find a way of annulling his vow, and then he'll remarry his wife. But when it comes to a Koyen, a Koyen is forbidden to marry a divorcee, including a woman who was previously his own wife. 
And so Yehuda Omer, Yehuda says, Yisrael. When it comes to a regular Jew, you're right. Chiddush Echad, Yekayim. If the vow was only there for one month, then he can stay married or Shnayim. But as soon as the second month begins, after thirty days, Yitzirit and Kesuba, he must divorce her and give her her Kesuba. But with a woman who is married to a Koyin, we give them a longer time because once he's divorced her, then it's too late to ever remarry her. So Shnayim Yekayim, he can remain married to her for two months or Shleisha. Only once the third month begins Yetzirikin Ksuba, he would be obligated to divorce her and give her her Ksuba. Mishnah base. the discussion continues, One who makes a neder against his wife, that she will not be able to taste any fruit. Now, in terms of this neder itself, this is very problematic. Firstly, one is not able to make a neder which prohibits somebody else from benefiting from other property which isn't his. You can make a neder that you yourself are not going to benefit from any property, or that somebody else cannot benefit from your own property. But you can't make a neder that somebody else won't benefit from something which does not belong to me. So that's one reason why this vow doesn't make sense. Another problem with this vow, with this neder, is that if somebody makes a neder against something which is impossible to keep, for example, if he makes a neder from any produce, that is considered something impossible to keep to, so that would also be an invalid neder. And because of these two problems, the Gemara explains that we're talking about a case where the woman made the neder, and her husband said that, yeah, that, that's a good neder. In general, a woman's husband has the right to annul her vow. If she makes a vow, he can do what is known as hathoras nadorim, where he annuls her vow, and then she would be permitted to benefit from that thing that she made a neder against. So if he hears her vow, and he says that I'm not going to annul it, and that you should be bound by this vow, we view that in some way as if he made the neder against her. In fact, in this case, it shows more hatred from the husband towards his wife. In the previous Mishnah, he made the actual neder. So it could be that he was angry at her for a moment, and at that point, he said a neder against her. But in this Mishnah, she was the one who said the neder. It wasn't in a moment of his own anger. She made a neder to prohibit herself. And he hears about this, and he says, yeah, that's a good idea. I want you to be, to be prohibited to benefit from this thing. That shows a certain hatred from the husband towards his wife. And he is withholding her from a lot of benefit. As well as that, Ligmar explains that she doesn't make a vow against benefiting from all produce but rather from particular types of produce. Let's say she makes a vow not to benefit from any apples. So in that case, the neder would be valid, but Yoytzevich and Kasuba, he would be obligated to divorce her and give her a Kasuba, and in this case, it's straight away. We don't wait 30 days or anything, because the fact that this wasn't done when he was angry, that shows that he sort of dislikes her more, and ultimately it is his fault that she is bound by this vow, because he could have annulled the vow via Hathoras Nadorim, and because of that, if she wants a divorce, we certainly do see why she requires that and how she cannot live with this man. It is considered to be unbearable for her, and therefore we would force him to divorce her immediately. And because, again, he is involved, it is partly his fault, so he would need to give her the kasuba. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Be Israel. When it comes to a regular Jew, Yom Echad Yekayim, if the vow lasts for just one day, then we allow her, we allow him to remain married to her. But if it lasts for more than one day, for two days, as soon as the next day begins, Yetzirin Kasuba, he'll be obligated to divorce her and give her her kasuba. But when it comes to the wife of a Koyain, we give her slightly more time, we give him more, slightly more time, Shanaim Yekayim. If the vow lasts for two days, then he can remain married to her. But as soon as the third day begins, he will be obligated to divorce her and give her a kasuba. And again, the reason why she is given more time is because once he divorces her, he will be forbidden to remarry her, since a coin is forbidden to marry a divorcee.
Mishnah Gimel. Somebody who makes a nether against his wife that she will not be able to use a particular cosmetic, a particular makeup. And again, he is not able to make a vow against her benefiting from something which doesn't belong to him. So we're talking about a case where she made the vow. And when the husband heard it, he said that, yes, I agree, you should be bound by that vow. And I am not annulling it. So again, since this wasn't done in a state of anger, because she made the vow, he just said that, yes, I agree. He would be obligated to immediately divorce her and give her a kasuba, of course, as long as she requests to be divorced. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi says that it's not necessarily true that the husband over here is withholding her from a lot of benefit. But Aniyos, when it comes to poor women, for example, they don't put perfume on that often anyway, since the woman herself would often do lots of the chores in the house, even if there was dirt involved, for example. So the perfume wouldn't last that long. And so only if he made a vow, Shalonosan Kitzvah, if he didn't give a limit to the vow and he said that, or she said in her vow that she is prohibiting it forever, or the Gemara explains at least for a very long time, for example, a whole year. So then if he confirms that vow and agrees that she, she, she should be forbidden, so that's considered very hard for her. But if it's less than that, then it is considered bearable. And she can't demand a divorce as, as a result of that. So when it comes to wealthy women, if the vow was 30 days or more, then it's considered to be hard for her because they would put perfume on much more often, but not more often than 30 days because the smell would last for around 30 days. Since she didn't dirty herself, she would have maids to do that. So the smell would last longer for around 30 days. But even with regards to wealthy women, if you made the neder, if let's say she said it would be forbidden for me to benefit from perfume for a week, so in that case, she would not be able to demand a divorce because anyway, she usually doesn't put perfume on every week. However, if she did prohibit herself in the vow and he agreed to her neder for at least 30 days, then it is considered to be withholding from her certain pleasures and she would be able to demand a divorce from her husband.